Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. It's a wonderful day to be alive because God is good and cryptocurrency is climbing. As most of you know, I came from a career of YouTube and Hollywood and making social media content, trying to climb the ladder in LA. I was miserable. I hated it. And throughout 2020, God totally pivoted my career. I opened a ministry, started a podcast, and now I'm involved with Turning Point USA and PragerU. So all the least to say, I have had a major shift in my life. I particularly don't like talking about myself or my story and whatnot on this podcast because I want it to be more focused on politics. I want it to be more focused on Christianity. As I continually grew my social media presence for political and Christian content, I kept asking myself, Lily, what is that one thing that you're going to be known for? What is that one topic that you're going to talk about until people get sick, until nobody wants to be with you anymore because you're just so obsessed with this topic? And I've tried a lot of different topics. I've just dabbled in a lot. It's been about seven or eight months of me discussing and arguing and developing my opinions about freedom, about homeschooling, about being pro-life, about all these different hot-button conservative topics, and I'm fulfilled by a lot of them, but I think the problem is none of them made my heart beat, none of them made me feel like I was on fire for this topic until I really started talking about femininity and masculinity and how they go perfectly together, how God designed them to be, and how it is a distortion of God's natural laws to think anything otherwise. Just so you guys know, I really believe that this This is the issue that is going to define Lily Kate. She's going to talk about femininity. She's going to talk about combating radical feminism with radical femininity. She's going to be the one who is championing real women's rights. She is going to be the one who is talking about what a woman is, what the essence of a woman is, what the essence of a man is, how men were made perfectly to protect women and women were made perfectly to love and care for their men. And this is a topic that's been a long time in the making. I've done a lot of research. I'm developing a lot of different thoughts and opinions about this topic and I'm working on vocalizing it in the best way possible but I often see that even in the conservative pools with conservative women this is a topic that's overlooked not only because we all want to be that boss lady who owns the libs like we want to sue everyone we want to be Candace Owens but the problem is is that that's not natural to being a woman being aggressive doing that whole you know business CEO lifestyle don't need no man is not natural to a woman and I really want to fight back against that because Because we live in a culture now that we do encourage women to go get jobs. We do encourage women to be a mother. We do encourage her to do both. And in fact, she is put on a pedestal when she's able to do both. But even still, I see beautiful conservative women taking on this radical feminist agenda. Little do they realize it's really destructive for their political beliefs and really destructive for society as a whole. Now, I'm nowhere perfect on this idea, of course, and I'm still learning and reading books every day and developing my thoughts and opinions about it. But I do know that this is based in the Bible and this is based in joy in God's natural laws and what will make essentially a woman the happiest when she's pursuing her life. And just as a precursor, I'm absolutely never, ever, ever going to consent to the point that a woman's place is only in the kitchen. That is not true. That is not the type of life that I'm living. I'm living a life of fulfillment, connection, building my business, being an amazing public speaker, having lots of awards, having a very impressive resume. So I want to get that cleared up at the beginning. I'm not going to take the whole traditional woman, like you have to be in the kitchen, you have to be barefoot and pregnant all day that is not what I believe because the beautiful thing about modernity 
the beautiful thing about what the feminist movement has actually achieved is that they've created this culture that does put men and women socially, politically, and economically equal, which is really the the true definition of what feminism actually is. And, you know, we're going to really go into how that definition has changed over time. And we're going to be learning about this topic together because, as I said, even conservative women fall for the radical Marxist feminist idea that is in and permeates our, our culture today. And I really want to fight back against that because, as as women, we are the crown of creation. We legitimately are. You know, when Ariana Grande and God is a woman says, If you didn't understand, what she said is he sees the universe when I'm in company. It's all in me. Unironically, she's actually kind of factual about that because we literally have the ability to bring life into this world. And that's one of the most beautiful things about a woman because the essence of a woman seriously is beauty. And her soul awakes when she is told that she is beautiful, when she's called royalty, when she feels like she's royalty. There's something beautiful inside of her that wakes up and something something just blossoms inside of her and because my base proposition is that strong women and beautiful feminine women inspire the best out of men and it's our job to be that for our men because men achieve greater things when getting a sexual relationship is harder to achieve and not saying either that women our only value is our sex appeal okay just getting that out of the way that is not what I'm saying but I'm saying that that is something unique to us that we are able to utilize that we are able to awaken something in a man that makes him pursue excellence as well as us. So all that to say, a woman's essence and the woman's deepest question is, am I beautiful? Am I lovely? Am I worth cherishing? And a lot of times that will be instilled in her at a very young age when she is two or three years old, when she's putting on costumes, when she's feeling on top of the world, when she is just told by her father and her mother that she is beautiful, that she is worth it, that she is gorgeous in what she's doing, when she's dancing, when she's singing, when she's performing, when she's caring for someone and caring for them she needs to be told that she's beautiful she needs to be told that she's worth it because that will impact her in so many ways whether that comes out with the parents calling her things like sweetheart or lovely whether that comes out in physical affection I definitely want to highlight a TikTok that I saw recently that is really trying to combat the idea that women and girls and and lovely little baby girls need to be told that they're beautiful. So I don't know if this is considered an unpopular opinion, but if you have a daughter, you need to stop calling her princess if you do. The way that Disney has branded the princess is based on her beauty as her most important asset. Her argument is literally that you need to stop calling your daughter beautiful because Disney has done that in the past. And I don't know if she's seen any Disney movies lately, but it's definitely not that. And it's definitely not the motivation that Disney has. I mean, it's all about sisterhood. It's all about boss ladies. It's all about women saving themselves from their own demons and accomplishing amazing things. Disney in particular has taken a very feminist route, but let's continue. This term also encourages the damsel in distress that needs to be rescued by a man. And it doesn't focus on their intelligence or integrity or any other character trait. The thing about this statement that makes this so outrageous is whenever you have a good womanly character in a movie, it's not because she's perfect or she's fighting for the honor of her family. It's typically <laughs> the men's job to fight for the honor. But it's because she is wise. It's because she's intelligent. It's because her beauty comes out in the form of piety or purity or love and care for the people around her. You don't love a woman character because she's harsh and evil 
approval. You you don't love the scorned woman in a story. You love the one who is almost that damsel in distress, not because she needs a man to save her, but because in her vulnerability, in the inevitable protective nature of a man, that's what he wants to do. What makes women so lovely is the fact that they are vulnerable because they are infinitely valuable. Women are infinitely valuable because we set the tone of the whole culture around us. And this lady likes to deny that little fact that makes women so special. And Why don't we call girls scientist, engineer, doctor? <laughs> I just have to laugh at that part because have you ever heard the term scientist or doctor or engineer used in an endearing sense? Imagine going into your like significant other's room and saying, oh, you are just such a little engineer right now. I also understand that her mission is to try and attach affection to the term scientist, engineer, or doctor. I just don't know if that's really gonna happen. Why does it have to be something cutesy like, Oh, princess, what do you need? Like, Yes, whenever my little child is in need of something from me, I'm going to hit her up the back of the head and say, go find it yourself, little sport. No. My daughter's father called her princess yesterday, and I had to lecture him again. Oh, again, I see. Because we do not use that term in this house. Even my own sisters have called her princess, and I will tell them, don't call her that. Maybe I come across as very controlling, but I think it's a very harmful word, and she shouldn't look up to that term. Yes, a word that personifies grace, elegance, beauty, loveliness, and gentleness is something that is harmful. Because why? Why do they make this argument? Because it's not that which is a man. But essentially her point is that she doesn't want specifically girls to be called princess because that's in some way demeaning to them or limiting of their ability in the world, which obviously as conservatives we know that's not true. Some of the best conservatives, in fact, happen to be women. Have you ever heard of Kayleigh McEnany? Yeah, thought so. But as a solution to her problem, I assume she has beef with the fact that this specific term, princess, is applied unequally to the genders. So either we never call anyone princess as an endearing term ever in the world, ever again, or... I think a solution that she would actually be okay with is if we started calling men princess as well as that. And unfortunately, as I was scrolling on the libs of TikTok Twitter account, I came across a very disturbing video. All right, for those listening, there is a grown man with chest hair frolicking in a prom gown. This man with a beard is twerking. Um, a very unpleasant sight, and he's commanding everyone to put on your favorite outfit and I was you vaccinated. Wear your best outfit and go get vaccinated. If you dare lay your eyes on this atrocity, you can find the visuals on my Instagram. But for reasons of mental health, I would suggest not doing that. Now, this man was definitely called princess as a child. And we see the destruction of our society through just one small 19 second TikTok. This is the type of horrendous behavior you get when you decide to gender blend or sex blend everything to be completely non-binary and make everything subjective and however you feel today. This is the type of chaos and confusion that you get. Is this the type of person that you would want reading to your children, teaching your children? Is this the type of person you would want showing your children that this is what objective truth is? I don't think so. I don't 
don't think so. Now, why is it so unsettling to see a fully grown man with a beard and a full uh, chest of hair in a gown that is peach colored getting a vaccine? Now, it's not the vaccine part that I am really alarmed about, but it's the part of the man in the dress that is so offsetting. It's so off-putting. And um, any person who's looking at that might shiver to themselves and have nightmares. It's that way because a dress is there to make a girl feel beautiful. The dress is there to make her feel wonderful to make her feel like she's flowing in the wind and that's something that's not natural to a man it's almost like god has natural laws and natural garments and natural things that go with the natural gender so um i seriously hope this man gets help he is probably very demented and definitely made people smile out of pity for his fashion choices that he made but if you start affirming and telling men that they can be women this is literally the product of that but back to the point about how she wants to stop calling little girls princesses that's not a good idea the reason is is because as a former little girl I dressed up in costumes I did ballet class I would dance and sing to classical music I would literally stand on the table and sing and perform for my dad because I wanted to feel beautiful he would clap and and dance along with me and be so excited for the the beautiful dance moves that I was doing jumping off the uh, kitchen table you know I have confidence in myself because he told me that I was beautiful when I was young he instilled in me that I am lovely that I was beautiful that I I can be cherished like he took delight in the things that I was doing as a young girl and that is one of the things that I attribute to the health of my character. I don't want to grow up in a society that refuses to tell a little girl that she's beautiful. I refuse to grow up in a society or to have children in a society where the fathers are told to not tell their little girls that they are beautiful, that they're lovely, that they're worth it, because that is not affirming for a woman. The leftists are all about true women empowerment, but in reality, they're about boxing women in and making them just weaker carbon copies of men. You know, I want to be I want to be very frank here. I think the left, they're the real sexist. They're the people that can't see a woman for what she actually is and the beauty that she has in her heart and in her soul. And I want to start fighting back on that aspect solely because I had to witness a chest haired man in a pink peach colored dress dancing in the streets and twerking and acting like he's a little girl. So with that concluding this very weird section of uh, my podcast that I never really thought I would have to do, I just want to let you guys know that this is the topic that is going to define the Lily Kate era. Femininity, masculinity, what does being a woman actually mean and how can we restore a strong society based on defined genders and sexes and actually affirming women for what they are, taking the good parts of a woman, and using our society to accentuate those. I am now going to bring someone of the opposite sex onto the podcast today to talk about the relationship between a man and a woman. His name is Brayden Sorbo. You may have heard that last name before. I met him in Florida. He is just an incredible conversationalist, feels exactly the same way that I do about the gender roles, except, well, since he's a male and since he's a man, he's more passionate about the masculine side of that. So enjoy this next conversation. Hi, Brayden. Hey. How are you today? You know, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. I'm so happy that you're here today. First, I want everybody to know how big and tall you are so that you're really defined as a masculine man. So how tall are you, Brayden, and how much can you bench? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm 6'5". 
230, and then bench is around 300 pounds. Okay, so we're not talking to a little soy boy pathetic man today. We are talking to the real deal. You're coming up strong (laughs) against the MAGA Hulk. (laughs) What does, in your opinion, being a man actually mean? So this was a question that kind of I've dealt with and had different answers as I've grown older. And honestly, the best answer that I can give is from someone I saw when I did speech and debate back uh, during my high school years. I saw a dude give a topic on what it means to be a man. He said steaks, grilling, you know, muscles, mustaches, deep voices, stuff like that. And he gave a whole speech and throughout the uh, kind of the conversation, he gets into detail about how his father left him and how he realized that even though his dad was this big, strong guy, leaving was the least masculine thing he could do. So personally a man is someone who is you know can also be big and strong but someone who is there in support of his family and being kind of active in raising his children uh being a loving Mm. father being a great husband like all that stuff is really what defines a man because the men are meant to be the protectors of the family like the bible outlines and if they're not able to support that or honor their families in that way then you know, what is a man? I've often heard, you know, in older movies, when the male characters are having their little crises and they're at their darkest moment, they say, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean if I have no family, if I have no honor? And also a side point, I've been watching a lot of shows recently, a lot of TV shows, a lot of superhero movies and all those kinds of things. And what they're really trying to do is they're trying to switch the natural inclination of a man with that of a woman. So for example, the Black Widow, you know, the character, this like Russian CIA ballet dancer kind of lady. They're trying to make her a masculine by, you know, she's fist fighting, she's sword fighting, she's knocking over thousands of bad guys all, all at the same time because she's fighting for honor. She's fighting for the truth. She's fighting for, you know, her people. And that's just not really a feminine goal and not really a feminine motivation. And so it's always the distortion and the confusion of what the genders actually want and fight for, which I'm really seeing permeate through our culture and our society today specifically in movies entertainment and comics randomly yeah i've noticed that too and you know i'll watch those movies and you see it happen and and there's a part of you that's just like ugh, whatever like just yeah it's a movie it's not real blah 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 but then there's a part of you you know they're they're going outside the realm of marvel movies of like the superhero realm uh, that show like god what's the name of that movie i can't remember where the girl like changes her identity a bunch Right. And she's like the super spy. And so she changes her identity. She goes and assassinates one big, powerful bad guy and then goes and does it to another one. And you're looking at these fight scenes where this girl is five, four, 120 pounds, 100 pounds, maybe taking on these six, five, 300 pound bodybuilders and stuff like that. And you just look at that and you're seeing. And yeah, part of you is like, yeah, it's a movie. But then you have to think about the other side where little kids are seeing that and stuff and they're getting everything confused. You know, on one hand, yeah, it's great. It's a movie. Do what you want. You wrote it. You paid for it with your own money. Like, it's all you. But you also have to realize that it does portray a narrative. And whether that narrative is harmful or helpful is going to be discovered shortly after. Yeah, that's a great point. And I love how you brought up it's the 5'2", 100-pound girl who's fighting off these 6'5 men. And you're just like, hold on a second. What type of physics are they using? What type of reality is this movie existing in? And I love that you brought up the word narrative because the narrative is getting to a place where it's actually starting to deny reality with this whole transgender movement, with the fluidity between genders that is apparently this new and woke and progressive phenomenon 
Taliban that is in place to liberate and free people from the regular constraints of reality. And it's a really a really harmful idea overall. So then, you know, that kind of brings us to the the foundation of masculinity, femininity, the foundation of our world, you know, the foundation of thought, of reason, of truth, and that's the Bible. And you and I both believe that the Bible is the arbiter of truth. It is the reason, well, I mean, Jesus Christ is the reason that we need to be free. And so in terms of biblical context, not a cultural context, what is the biblical calling for a man? I found a verse that I personally love that has kind of spoken to me. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like a man, be strong. So so that right there tells you that the man's job is to walk in faith and to be strong. And yeah, that means physical strength, but it also means mental strength, you know, being able to have willpower to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things, being able to, like I said earlier, uh, support and raise a family, being loving and caring is also all attributes that men have. And there's this whole, like going back to what we said, narrative of people trying to destroy that with toxic masculinity. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity, Agreed. which is a claim. I'll say that right now. And let me explain why. There's either masculinity or weak men. The weak men are what have been called quote-unquote toxic. That's true. Uh, and so there's this whole kind of mislabeling of this. You know, I saw a video just a little bit ago of these construction workers sitting on the side of a road just eating their dinner or whatever. It's really late at night. And this uh, young woman is walking down the street, and this is off some security camera, where three men walk out of the dark and they attempt to do something to the woman, rob her, whatever. All of a sudden, these construction workers stand up and they beat the men off. And for some reason, they let the guys go. I personally wouldn't have, but they let them go, you know. And so I'm looking at the comments of this video, and all these people are saying, look at this. The construction workers are masculine, whereas the robbers, the whatever they are, are the quote-unquote toxic masculinity. They're the weak men. In specific instances of crime, whenever there's a man who wants to harm a woman, who wants to rob her, pistol whip her, rape her, all those different kinds of horrendous acts that should have full justice delivered, you know, it's a man who is a coward. It's a man who's a loser. It's a man who's not looking for an honorable brawl, a duel of the skills of another man. No, he's looking for someone to terrorize. He's looking for someone to victimize, and he's looking for someone to take advantage of and exploit because there is actually one gender or one sex that is weaker and smaller naturally than the other. And I don't know why that is so contentious in our political climate today. The very sins of men come from them being cowards. It comes from them being weak. It comes from them not living up to the biblical calling of a man which is to protect and which is to love. I always think back to Ephesians chapter 5, which is really, if you want to like tagline it, it's called the marriage chapter. And it compares Christ's love for the church as a romantic relationship and marriage between a man and a woman. And it's so funny because feminists like to take one of the verses without reading the verse that comes next. So one of the verses says, wives, you need to submit to your husband and all the feminists are so angry and so up in a up in a big roar about that but then if you read the next verse and I keep saying this ad nauseum because they don't want to read any farther it says that the men need to love their wives and be prepared to lay their own lives down for her and if that's not asking much more from a man than it is from a woman I don't really know what is if God is asking a man to lay down his life 
for the wife, just like Christ did for the church, because that is an act of true love, then I don't really know like what to say to someone when I'm like, is that not the most pure and the most perfect form of love? So the calling of a man and subsequently the calling of a woman fit together perfectly as we see in the Bible, because it's a representation and a mirror of what Christ did for the church. Mm -hmm, exactly. And that's, that's the problem. People, one, they don't read all the way through. Like there was a guy I know who questioned this older gentleman in a church and then he brought up some verse from Timothy. Uh, oh yeah. And he said one thing about it and then left it at that. And like, if you read the whole chapter, it would actually make sense. But here he is taking that one small verse and using it to pursue his own agenda and push his own narrative. You know, Completely it's out it, of context. Exactly. It's weak men who feel the need to fake being strong and to fake being a big tough guy in order to to validate themselves real mm. men like actually masculine men don't need validation from anyone else so i'm gonna play a clip that i was listening to from matt walsh from the daily wire talking about he was more so talking about the feminist's response to the new pro-life heartbeat bill that was passed in texas and after analyzing their response to it, he said something specifically about women and how men feel about women. And there was a tweet that went out from a pro-choice lady and said, all women in Texas should not have any sex with any men because if you get pregnant, then you won't be able to kill your child. And I want to know, Brayden, what is your reaction to this? And do you agree with what Matt Walsh says here? We're not going to have sex with men anymore. I, I got to tell you, that's I, I, I hear that as more of a promise than a threat. I think most men hear that and think, whew, dodged a bullet there. And I really mean that because, um, and, and, and don't take the offense to this, but, but pro-abortion women, to my mind, are uh, repulsive. Uh, I find them repulsive in every sense of the word. I mean, these are, these are women who have rejected all of the feminine and maternal parts of themselves. Um, and I, you know, I, think, I think most men find that naturally repulsive. You know, we want women who are caregivers, women who care for children, loving women. You know, those are the kinds of women that men find appealing. And um, that's not the case for pro-abortion women. So this is another kind of win-win situation, I would say. Oh, I agree 100%. Like, it's great. <laughs> I mean, the biggest temptation we have is lust as a man. I mean, that's at least what one of the biggest ones. You know, there's pride and there's all these others, but lust is a really big one, especially with, like, all the things that are out there right now. Pornography. Look at the female superheroes. Look at how overly sexualized they are. There's so much out there that is promoting this lustful lifestyle of just hookup culture and just going from one person to the next, and it, it's not healthy. And for any guys listening to this, this isn't like me talking from a higher pedestal like I know better than you. I lived it. I did it. You know, and I can say that it's not fulfilling. It's not grateful. It's not beneficial in any way, shape, or form. It hurts you more than it helps you because then you find a girl that you want to, like, settle down with, that you want to spend time with and actually date and get to know and possibly eventually marry. And she tells you, oh, I've been with X amount of guys. And that's a gross thought to you, right? And even though you could have been with two times, three times more women than her, it's in the back of your mind that a ton of other dudes have been in, like, like it's just a gross feeling. And so it doesn't help at all. So this whole idea of girls don't have sex with guys, I mean, it works for me. You know, like, there's, there's nothing that I have against it. I saw a very unattractive woman post it, and she did the same thing, like, I'm not going to have sex until they 
like reverse the abortion ban and all the comments on that video were oh i hope they don't reverse it please keep the ban like all this stuff and i'm loving it one because the internet's toxic and that's my favorite but two because it works. That's a great point. And that was kind of like where I wanted to go next is what does motivate men? And obviously the the sexual relationship between men and women is a very, very hot topic and shouldn't be as taboo as it sometimes is, especially in like Christian circles. But other than that, Matt Walsh was talking about how men are attracted and they love women who are loving, who are caring, who acknowledge and utilize their maternal instincts, who are caregivers, who are homemakers, who care about the world in a different way that men do. Brayden, is that something that generally men do find attractive in a woman? And is that what they look for, for a long-term healthy relationship? Well, I'm going to say yes and no, because... Yes, obviously, that's what someone like me wants, you know, but I'm different than everyone else. There's a lot of guys who are very content, or they think they're content, going around and doing this hookup culture, and they do not want to have to work towards, like, getting a girl and spending all this time and money on her, then finally get what they want. Like, that's how it is with the hookup culture, because with apps like Tinder and all these places that make it so easy, like, it's ridiculously easy. It's kind of a pendulum, a pendulum swinging in a way. Almost, except there is a way to stop it, you know what I mean? So with a pendulum, it's, it's endless momentum. It just depends on where you swing, if that makes sense. In terms of motivating men, every man is different, but there is a core group of things that motivate and demoralize uh, each man and it does not matter what they say there are specific things that can happen to a man that will either motivate him or demoralize him and that is ruining his pride especially if you're a young boy or a young guy you're looking to prove yourself in the world you know whether it's to prove yourself to your parents so that your dad says he's proud of you to prove yourself to your friends or the friends that you wish you had so that they would hang out with you more to prove yourself to whoever it is to a girl the second you take away that pride and that need to prove yourself everything stops in its tracks because it all goes back to that one root i could be way into my life a very successful ceo blah 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 like i have everything i've ever wanted and I'm still trying to prove myself, whether it's to my mom, to my dad, to my friends, doesn't matter. You could have every single thing in the world. And the second you find something that you don't have, you're going to be defeated until you get it. Uh, summarizing what you're saying is if a man feels like he cannot overcome or at least rise to the challenge, is that something that demoralizes him? They just have to realize that they will eventually overcome it if they stick with it right because men are supposed to be champions they're supposed to be the princes the kings the conquerors they're supposed to be warriors that is exactly how the the depiction of christ that is reflected in masculinity is actually connected it comes out in a person as we have commonly said person fighting for honor a person who's a warrior a person who is there to protect the family because the families are so important so then i guess there's this other idea that has been you know swirling about the world for the last, I don't know, 100 years almost at this point, and that idea is called feminism. And the typical definition of feminism, which is the definition that I think pretty much everyone in the whole entire world agrees with, is social, economic, and political equality between the sexes. Now, for all various measures and standards of measurement, that goal has been achieved in our culture and in our society, and that's something to celebrate. However, in second wave feminism that was born out of the 1960s and 70s with a rebellion and Marxist um, twinge really decided to push the idea that feminism is actually all about power structures, all about um, 
you know, breaking the societal norms. It's all about women don't need men and men are the scum of the earth and kill all men. And that's a really destructive idea. As a masculine man, how do you respond to this idea of non-reality, like we touched on in the beginning, of women trying to become men, envying everything that allegedly a man has over a woman, socially, politically, and economically, and in terms of quote-unquote power. How do masculine men actually respond to this idea? I'm going to say the first thing to kind of look at is that they want to become men, which isn't how it's supposed to be at all. You know, there's no... If everyone is a man, you're going to die off as a species. You need women. Like, I don't know if they don't realize that, or I don't know what the plan is. So, So this whole concept of you know, needing to become a man is, isn't healthy mentally because it will destroy you because it's unobtainable. Another thing that I'd like to add on to that is that not that a woman's only purpose is this, but a product of women being feminine, delicate, beautiful, and enjoying the finer things in life is that women civilize men. You were like, if you lived in a world without men, yes, you would die out really quickly. But I also believe that you really wouldn't have any community. You wouldn't have the finer things. You wouldn't have nice books or teacups or parties or community or even nice decorated church buildings, right? You wouldn't have places that would be called homes. You would just have houses because also women inspire the best out of men and vice versa. Men inspire the best out of women. And whenever we don't have these defined gender roles, there's no point in pursuing excellence or to woo the other sex because of the natural strengths that are different than theirs or different than your own. And so it's just a really, a really depressing way to live when you try and say that there's no difference between the genders, because that's one of the things, the gender difference is one of the things that makes life so colorful, so beautiful, and so interesting, and also a little bit, you know, gets your gets your heart going, gives you butterflies in your stomach. That's one of the nicer things of the world. Yeah, of course. I mean, the Mona Lisa, you know, all these great historical uh, composers, artists. Yeah, okay, a majority of them might have been guys, but they were inspired by something without women you know we talked about what motivates men women do right so so without that that's one less motivator this is the product of what we get when we start confusing the gender roles just as i kind of talked about in the beginning i unfortunately found another tiktok from the libs of tiktok account this is going to get a little bit graphic so if you're not comfortable with hearing about blood definitely just like you know skip over the next few seconds period poverty doesn't just affect women Two-spirits, trans men, non-binary people, and genderqueer people can all have periods. And arguably, period poverty may be higher in these populations. Here's why. You ever seen a tampon dispenser or a box of free tampons in a men's bathroom? What about a period aisle not labeled feminine hygiene or pink boxes all around it? Periods can be a really tough and dangerous time for people that aren't cisgender women. So if you're donating period products or putting them in your workplace or school, make sure they're in all bathrooms. Or at least that all people have access to these products. Because blood has no gender, baby. You heard it from the best. Blood has no gender, baby. Wow, what a what a new scientific discovery. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I bit my tongue while eating right before I came on here, and it bled. You're an officially a menstruating person, as they like to call women now. It was nice. First time my blood wasn't, like, black or 
pink. But that's the problem. Is that at the beginning she says like cisgender, asexual, bi, lesbian. I don't even know. She's just said a bunch of gobbledygook and I didn't really fully understand it, nor do I wish to fully understand it. But when you don't have defined gender roles, not only do the genders not inspire good things out of each other. I mean, come on, men did greater things when boobs were harder to see. But we have people who are settling for this chaotic worldview that doesn't stand to any logic. In fact, it's just a desire for chaos and individuality, but also at the same time, the idea of being in a group and letting your group be your identity. It's really taking root in so many of our young people. And so how do we respond to that? Besides the bizarre call that she said she wants period products in all different bathrooms. I'm just not even going to respond to that part because that's a whole nother thing that I just don't want to get into. How do we respond to the fact that we now have, what, 72 or 150 different genders? And what do you think the root cause of that is? You know, you don't really think they exist. So it's like you're hearing about it, you're like, ah, ha, ha, funny joke. And then a couple days later, you're like, wait, you guys were serious? Like, that wasn't, that that was real? And you're looking at that, and you're just going, what? How? Like, this whole idea of, oh, bathrooms need to be all-inclusive. No, they don't, right? And this isn't, this isn't like, oh, I, I hate you for thinking you're not. Like, it's not. I feel, I feel badly for you, and I pray for you, and I hope that you get better. You know, it's not a... It's not a I'm better than you situation. It's more of coming from a perspective of empathy, which is especially hard for me, as sarcastic as I am. Living in this gray area of chaos cannot breed any sort of uh, striving, any kind of inspiration, and any kind of stability to actually build something lasting on. And I feel, as you said, I feel terribly for this. Uh, I don't want to assume their gender because I'll probably get destroyed for it. But it looks like it's a girl, okay? It looks like a genuine woman, and I feel terribly for her because she's living in this world that reality doesn't really fit into, and whenever we have ideology come before reality, all of a sudden reality is the thing that you're trying to you're trying to fit the square reality into a, the circle hole of your ideology. It just doesn't work, and it will never work, when in fact your ideology is supposed to be the thing that is contained by reality, and we're seeing this really permeate in our society, and I hate to say it, but it's because of the privilege that we have. We have wealth. We all have cars. We all have a computer. We all have a phone. We all have so many benefits, so much access to healthcare, so much access to friends, the internet. We have so many privileged things that we can achieve in this world. And so now we're thinking, wow, how can I make a problem out of something that doesn't need to be a problem? That's, that's the problem with Americans getting bored, right? We're bored. We start creating this weird alternate reality and saying that I'm God, I get to define all the genders and I'm going to live in my own little Lulu La La Land universe and then enforce other people to agree with that whenever you know your universe is star shaped and everybody else is a circle shaped you're, you're just going to be some kind of loony person on the street and all of a sudden where are you going to end up in life but I guess like my last like kind of question I want to dig around in is in your opinion how do the genders work together because it's really important for us to yes we can make fun of all these weird crazy TikToks we can make fun of all these people who are living in their own chosen spectrum of chaos but if we don't answer something constructive, then we haven't done our job. So how does being feminine complement masculinity or how do the sexes work together? 
Well, I mean, the answer is simple once you look towards, you know, growing together in faith, essentially. Like, the Bible calls, what, what the verse that you read, like, women submit to your husbands, and husbands show faith and loyalty to your wives and be willing to lay your life down for them. That's how they work together. Today, in America, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And that's a terrible thought. That's not like, oh, ha, 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 it's a funny joke. Like, no, that's awful. I feel terrible for those people. But there was something, whether they got married too soon, had sex before marriage, did, did X, Y, Z, they weren't, uh, they didn't have strong enough faith. It's the problem that people could be a perfect fit for each other. You know, like you could think you met your soulmate. But if you don't have that one extra thing in common where you go to church together, you read the Bible together, you do, uh, you listen to worship music, something that ties you to God, you're going to struggle a lot more than the other person. Like, I grew up homeschooled. Now, I would go to my homeschool campus or whatever, and I would see all this. I never saw once a single mother or a single father there. It was a mother and father loving and taking care of their child, showing them support that they needed, and growing together. I love that you say that because that was exactly my experience too. And the reason why I'm in such support of it is because it works. It has worked. And the reason, like my reason of why femininity and masculinity are so completely and utterly crucial as a building block to society is because that is what fosters a good family. That is what fosters a strong foundational cornerstone in a child's life, in each parent's life, and in just outwardly in a society. We can't have a functioning society if we don't have a functioning family unit. And that really is like the core of why we're saying all of this is because we want family. The family institution is ordained by God. That's how it's supposed to be. That's God's natural laws. And that's exactly how he's pieced the genders together. When in fact, at the same time, He's made it, as I said earlier, one of the more beautiful, one of the more interesting and one of the more exciting and inspiring things about life. The different, you know, having a difference between my boyfriend and I is a fun thing. It's a great thing. And it makes us so work so well together. And if we don't live in harmony in conjunction with the natural laws that God has, then families begin to fall apart. And at large, a society begins to fall apart. So we're not just saying this because we want women to be in the kitchen and or we want men to be out in the field working all day. Like we, we're saying this because it is in tandem with the natural laws of efficiency, of progress, and of how children can grow up in a healthy and stable environment yeah exactly and i mean i i don't have much more to add after what you just said i think you summed it all up perfectly when you find someone who who you can not only go to church with but also sit and do nothing with like that that's a great thing that's a gift and just the fact that you're being together makes you happy shows that you have like a real connection and then the thing that kind of solidifies all of that is just both of you having a love for christ and the love to grow and want to continue growing and to want to be better than you were the day before. You know, it's not enough to just go through one day and say, yeah, all right, cool, did that. Let's just do the exact same thing tomorrow. No, you want to add something. Be better. Make yourself a better person. Just grow. In other words, be a man and act like a man. 
<laughs> be a man, act like a man. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. This is a fun conversation, and I'm glad that it wasn't just my mind bouncing around. People actually agree with this. And for those of you who are listening, there are people who observe and live inside the realms of reality. There are people who are like us who want to hold on to not just tradition, but the way that the world has worked for the 6,000 years that we've been here since the Bible um, began in Genesis. So, Brayden, where can we find you on social media? My username is on everything Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat. It's just B-R-A-E-D-E-N. And then my last name Sorbo, S-O-R-B-O. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I had fun. <laughs>